You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The adolescent brain is highly moldable by experience, even more so than the adult brain. If a teenager experiences a lot of stress in their life, then it would follow that there would be a, a profound impact on the brain. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable, and I'm your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey. With me today is Dr. Monique Ernst. Dr. Ernst is board certified in psychiatry and neurology and is senior staff clinician within the intramural program at the National Institute of Mental Health. She's a researcher in the branch of developmental and affective neuroscience within the mood and anxiety disorders program. Her research focuses on brain mechanisms involved in risk factors, pathogenesis, and treatment of pediatric neuropsychiatric disorders. Welcome, Dr. Ernst. Thank you. Today we're discussing stress and the adolescent brain. So how does the adolescent brain respond to stress? The reason much research has been done on the adolescent brain per se and stress. Most of the research has been done in adults. And even in animal work, the adolescent, adolescent period hasn't been the object of a lot of study. There is extremely little that we can say about the adolescence period per se. And part of it is because the period that's difficult to study in animals particularly. But it's coming into the research agenda in neuroscience at this point. And are there existing series of studies that you might be able to hypothesize based on? For example, the fear response or the other aspects of the neural networking that's going on during adolescence? We have few studies that look at the response of adolescents to, for instance, fear conditioning or to watching angry facial expressions or threatening facial expression or fearful facial expression that can tell us a little bit about how the adolescent responds to negative stress. And what we find is the amygdala, which is the seat of response to stress, is more reactive in adolescence than in adulthood and perhaps also more reactive than in childhood such that when an adolescent see an angry face, the amygdala is going to be activated more than in adolescents than in children or adults. The real behavioral correlate of this is not really clear. We have to do much more study, but there is some suggestion that the adolescents might be more sensitive just to the threat. I'm not sure what it would mean in terms of behavior necessarily. But it would suggest that there's an increased reactivity to emotional stimuli and combine that with the increased impulsivity during that period. You could imagine why there's more physical confrontation and conflict. Exactly. So again, you know, this this is happening in the face of threat. And as I said before, it's also happening in the face of positive stimuli where there is more reactivity in the adolescent brain subcortically, so in automatic responses. So they're seeking it out more indiscriminately, the positive stimuli. Right. It's also possible that a negative stimulus might actually turn to be more attractive. So we have this paradoxical response of boys which say that they like pictures of guns 
why in ad, you know adults would uh, give us a negative rating, why boys tend to give a positive rating. And are these kinds of effects relatively enduring so that the adolescent who acts on some of these increased approaches to negative stimuli and impulsivity, does that tend to last? We don't know. We just have behavioral studies that look longitudinally, so follow-up studies, adolescents and adults, on some of these aspects of behavior. And it seems that, and this actually is the research on temperament a lot, and show that kids who are inhibited early on will continue to be inhibited throughout their life, for their life, while the kids who are exuberant and tend to be more approach-related early on, the trajectory of their temperament may be a little bit more diverse. They're not going to all continue to be exuberant into adolescence or adulthood. And that's a big area of research that is going on now to look at the continuation of the trajectory of early temperament. How does the adolescent brain respond to hours of playing video games and watching television? So this is another area of great interest, and unfortunately there hasn't been much on this. You know, there is the big discrepancy between kids who are very impulsive, who can stay with anything more than one minute, and then they can stay for hours in front of video game. And that's partly related to the fact that video games are very fast-acting action. And so, in fact, although kids are riveted to the screen, they do a lot of different things. So it's not clear exactly what helps them maintain their focus on one thing. But, you know, it's well known now that this type of activity is addictive. And we know about this pathology that is emerging in uh, Japan, for instance, where kids get up in their room and spend their whole time throughout the day watching video games. We don't know yet what could be the implication of this new way of living. Mm -hmm. Occurring at such a formative stage of their lives. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey, and we're speaking today with Dr. Monique Ernst, who is a researcher in the branch of developmental and affective neuroscience within the Mood and Anxieties Disorders Program at the National Institute of Mental Health. And we're talking about stress and the adolescent brain. So let's go back to this topic of video game and television viewing and its effect on the adolescent brain. Do we know anything about the effect of this kind of viewing for many hours on the brain at any age? I don't think we do. I think there has been one study. It was a positron emission tomography study looking at dopamine release during video game. And in this study, they showed that adults were releasing dopamine during the video game more so than outside the video game. And so this suggests that looking, watching, or playing a video game is rewarding and enhances uh, the reward system through enhancements of dopamine. That makes a lot of sense given the behavior. It's kind of a tautology saying that, you know, they watch more video, so then they are more rewarded, and so the brain shows more reward activity. So it doesn't get us much further. What are the effects of the changes in the adolescent brain on sleep? They apparently need to sleep later and 
They have a different pattern altogether. Is that a brain-regulated phenomenon? Totally. There probably is some genetic program that reset the diurnal cycle in adolescents, and which makes it such that adolescents need to sleep more because maybe more is happening within the brain during these changes and this development of the brain. And maybe they are more susceptible to experience, and the brain is really getting more information from the outside and getting more ready to get its final shape. And so during this time, then, it needs to more sleep to regenerate energy or orchestrate the change occurring during this period. What are the hours that the adolescent really needs to sleep and how long? So it's been shown that probably adolescents need to sleep later. So the timetable is shift by probably about an hour to an hour and a half. So it depends on the individual, of course. You know, some individuals are more early people and some are more late people. But their own clock will switch during adolescence. So if you're an early riser, then in childhood you rise at uh, 6 o'clock and in adolescence it's better to rise at uh, 7, 7.30. And for one who uh, gets up at uh, 9 in the morning, then they're gonna, it's going to be more efficient for them to rise at 10 in the morning. And how did the changes in the adolescent brain affect their social relationships and their self-esteem? So we know that in adolescence the peers start taking a great importance in their life and probably the most important social uh, activity that they have. Within the brain, it's still not clear what is, is associated with these changes, but there is this social neuroscience field now that is just looking at what brain systems are subserving. And what about early sexual behavior? What effect does that have on the brain? Yeah, again, I mean, we can I can only talk through inference from uh, adult studies and maybe other studies of other kind, but probably given that emotionally the adolescence is much more intense and ex- first experience are very important in priming the brain, the first experience are very important. But this is not nothing new in terms of how they prime the brain and they affect changes on brain circuits. It's not clear. And I want to thank Dr. Monique Ernst, who's been our guest today, as we've been discussing stress and the adolescent brain. I'm Dr. Laura Humphrey, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.